Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Would you take your Bible and turn to an interesting story? Who likes stories? Anybody like to hear stories? Oh, I do. I like stories. It's my favorite parts of the Bible to read is some sort of narrative. And we're going to read one tonight that helps us look at time. Here we are at the end of this year, and you might be like me wondering, wasn't it just 4th of July? or something similar where it seems like a whole lot of time has passed and a short amount of, of thinking and poof. And there's my, you know, my daughter's here for, my daughter is in from college and she was telling somebody the other day, yeah, I'm starting my second year of, of sophomore in college. And I thought, wait a minute, I thought she was a freshman in college. Anybody have, any parents have one of those scenarios where you're just like, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I have those. My uh, middle son, I think, has crossed six foot three. He's 14. And I look at him and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so we have these moments where a whole, it catches up to us like a whole lot of time has gone by. Let's take a look at this story in 2 Kings 13. 2 Kings 13, we're going to read a passage of Scripture starting in verse 14. So 2 Kings 13, 14. And then I want to share with you a message that not only impacted my life in a tremendous way the, the many years ago that Dr. Morocco preached this very text out of 2 Kings, but it also did something to the entire body of kings when he released this word. And I pray that as I share it in my own version here, that the impact it's had in my life would happen in some way to you. Let's take a look. 2 Kings 13, 14, it says, now Elisha was suffering. I'm reading from the NIV version from 1984. It's not the same one you'll find online. You have to have a paper version now. Anyway, now Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17, open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. The king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated 
Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. Father, come speak to us today. And would you help me communicate what you've put in my heart to release today? Give me an anointing. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a few references to time. In fact, God, throughout the Word, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, gives us different ways to value time. The, just to give you kind of a background of this book, just to kind of help those that maybe you aren't familiar with it, this book was not, the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek, a little bit of uh, Aramaic. But so in order that for us to understand what it's saying, somebody took those Hebrew and Greek words and put them into English, but they don't exactly translate word for word. And to help us understand, sometimes the English translators do the best they can to give us the English version of something that it's really hard to interpret into English. And thus we get different words used for time. And in the story we hear today, one of those definitions of time, I want to jump out at you and me. One of the definitions of time from the Greek language is the word chronos. And you're familiar with that because it's the word we use to describe time as consecutive consec uh, moments happening according to a clock. That's where we get clock time from. It's the understanding of the word chronos, chronology, something that you can put in order of the time that it happened. We're all familiar with that. They've started my clock in the back to make sure I don't go long. God bless you. Those of you back there in the media booth, so thankful for all those you of, of those that you those of you that serve in all the capacities, and you help us. There's another reference to time, and it's the one that I want to point out to us today, and it's another Greek word, and it's I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's kairos, kairos. Maybe you could say kairos. Maybe you've heard of that word. It's a reference to not chronological time or consecutive minutes and hours. It's a word the Greeks would use to describe a moment that was ripe or something that happened at the right moment. Not something that went according to a time. The timer went off and you pull your turkey out of the oven or your prime rib. Hey! but something else that didn't have a reference to minutes to it. In fact, we would, we, maybe we want to say it was a critical moment of change or shift or action that was taking place. Another way, another way to say it would be the opportune time or a time that you noticed it was time for a change. Anybody have a preteen boy in their house? 
Maybe you have a preteen girl, it's a little less significant, but I have three sons, and I'm on my third preteen boy, and there comes a moment by, you, you, by which you realize it's time to buy that boy a stick of deodorant. It doesn't go by months or years or days. It's something else that happens. It's happening to them. And I brought that up because some of you have some boys that I see every Sunday in Crossroads. And it's time for you Hey, I'm a dad. I got three sons. Some of you need to help some of your preteens. 10, 11, 12-year-olds. Some of them need to put some applications. My wife and I were having, 2008, my wife and I were having Mother's Day lunch, and she was very pregnant with our third child. And so we sat down and we had all these plans. It was Sunday, Mother's Day Sunday. That's an even more special Mother's Day, right? I mean, Sunday is when it's Mother's Day. And we sat down at this special lunch and she goes, oh. I said, are you okay? Oh. It was the moment. I said, are, how many of those have you had today? My, our, our previous two kids, my wife would be having contractions and wouldn't know it. She's one of those. She thought it was Braxton. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, right. So, and so we were familiar with that, and so it was no big deal. She's kind of holding her, her tummy and says, oh, well, how many of these have you had today? Oh, it's like 12 times today. 12 times? Well, you've only been up a few hours. So I called up my mom. Thank God for moms. We need some input. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so uh, Kimmy's had 12 sets of Braxton. Get her to the hospital. Get her there now. It's time. It's time. I, I didn't know it was going to be that time. It was time. We said to the waiter, we need our food right now. We're out of here. She's going to have the baby if you don't give us our food right now. It was the moment. There are moments in God that set a course about in our life. And I want to share with you today some things about this passage, and not just about this passage, but reference a few others, because we need to live in light that God has Kairos moments set up for us, and we can knock it out of the park, or we can miss it altogether. I don't know about you, I want to knock it out of the park. I want everything God has for me. And there's some things that we can gain here from this passage and a few others that help us identify something that's really a mystery and has no identifiers attached to it. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look in just a second. In 2012, I had double knee surgery, or two surgeries on one knee, and it took me 18 months to learn how to walk again. I had a major accident, and I knew, oh, the moment it happened, I knew, oh, life just changed at this very moment. 
And I had this large team serving in children's ministry and media. And I had all these staff people that worked for me. And the very day it happened, I knew I'm not going to be back in the office, back to what I'm doing for a long time. It's going to take me a long time to get back into there. So I called together all my staff and my upper leaders, and I said to them, this is your moment to rise up in leadership. This is not just me sitting in my house going through 90 hours of therapy. Ooh, I almost set a record at the therapy place. Anyway, it was their moment to seize the opportunity. Regardless of what we have in mind, there are times that we don't often interpret what we're seeing exactly the way God has it. And we have to operate in faith. The element of faith comes into play when we link it to opportunities that are staring us right into the face. So look at this passage here. We have this king who needs a word from God. They're going to get attacked. It's bad, horrific. Catastrophe is on the way. You can read up to this point if you want. I'm just giving you a summation of it. So he goes to see the man of God who's going to give him some sort of strategy, a word from God, God in heaven, speak through him to give me the strategy to turn this around. And he does. But the king doesn't recognize it. The king doesn't see that the moment he takes those arrows in his hands, he himself is actually determining what kind and how long, what manner of victory they're going to have. It wasn't up to the prophet, and it wasn't up to God. It was a moment in time, a kairos moment, where the arrows in his hand and his understanding of what was going on came into play, met together, and he was the determining factor of what God was going to do. And those moments come to us. They come to us all the time. We're going to look at a few of those in just a second. But there's these kairos moments all throughout the Word. Let me give you a few examples. If you're familiar with the book of Ruth, Ruth decides they don't have enough food. She's serving Naomi. And they don't have enough food, so she's going to go out. She just picks a field to go out and glean some grain out of this field. And then you find, and I'm just going to read it to you from Ruth 2, and I think they may have those up there. If you'd like to, you can turn there in your own Bible. Verse, uh, chapter 2, right here, verse 3. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the cl clan of Elimelech. Just then, everybody say, just then. Just then, Boaz shows up, and the whole story changes. It becomes a critical moment in the life of who? Jesus. She happened to be there when he showed up. It's not coincidence. 
It's not karma. It's not just sheer luck. It was a Kairos moment that had to be seized and taken advantage of. And Boaz does. He sees her and goes, who is that? And takes advantage of the moment that was before him. There's another one. Take a look at 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30. And there's more than these. I'm just giving you some good examples. 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm wanting to put a deposit in you that the same thing happens to you and could be today or tomorrow morning. 1 Samuel 30. David is chasing the Amalekites and he needs to find out where they are. And he doesn't know and his men are exhausted from chasing them. It's kind of the background of the story. And all of a sudden, a moment happens. Something happens that changes the whole course of the story if he takes advantage of it and redeems what's right in front of him. Take a look at this, verse 11. They found an Egyptian. Back up to verse 9. David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Ravine where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued their pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. Part of a cake of, and gave him some food. He ate and was revived. He had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. He's almost dead. There's not much life left in him. David and his men are so fixed on chasing the Amalekites that they almost miss the key to their victory, which is a guy laying on the side of the road almost dead. But they are in a chase, and they don't know how long it's going to be, so their resources are very um, important to them. They don't know how long they're going to need to keep this chase up. They've got water and some food. What do we do? The guy's almost dead. Should we just keep it to ourselves and keep on the chase? Eh, just let him die. Just throw some sand on him. Or do we, do we use our valuable resources to value his life? And it turns out it was a Kairos moment because the Egyptian knew exactly where to find the Amalekites and led them right to them. David redeemed the moment, redeemed the time, the opportunity that was there. He didn't pass it by. He took advantage of it. Let's look at another one. Let's go to the New Testament. Luke chapter 1. We just had Christmas. Luke chapter 1. Take a look at that. The priest, Zechariah, in his one moment to go lay the sacrifice and go inside the Holy of Holies back there, he's, it's his one moment. It happens to be the day the angel shows up. It was a Kairos moment and tells him he's going to have a son, John the Baptist. Another one, John 7. Take a look at John 7. Such an interesting story. Jesus clearly understands the time that he's living in and his time. He understands the Kairos moments. John 7, 
They're trying to get Jesus to go with them to the Feast of Tabernacles, and he says something very interesting to them. Take a look at this, uh, John 7, verse 6. Therefore Jesus told them the right time. Somebody say time. The right time for me has not yet come. Is he talking about on his watch? No, he's not talking about on his watch. If you look at the Greek version of this right here, that word time is kairos. He's talking about a season or a moment for his, for the revelation of who he is. It's not time yet. He has a clear understanding that there are moments that have to be seen as a moment in God, that it's God's setup. God's got you set up for something if you'll see it and take advantage of it. And he goes on to say it again. The return of Jesus, the Bible makes it clear Jesus is coming back. There is no set hour, day, month, or year, even though people have tried to tabulate, calculate. Why? The Bible clearly says nobody but the Father knows. Okay? Guess what time he's coming back? It will be a Kairos moment. The same definition will come into play. It's a moment not to miss. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, when he comes back in that Kairos moment, which does not have an appointed chronological time, you'll be left behind here. I highly recommend making Jesus the Lord of your life and living in such a way that you're ready for that moment to come. And you're not here with, to see what happens afterwards. Whether you believe he's coming before tribulation, during, or after, that is, doesn't change the fact that you have to live your life ready for the moment that will not be announced to, to happen. I'm personally going to shoot right out of these shoes and not come back. I'm going somewhere better than this. I'd sure love it if you went with me. So we see in the Word, there's these moments where you could call it coincidence. You could call it, as the world describes, fate. It's a worldly way to describe that God has set up a moment that if you'll capture it and take advantage of it, you'll have what God has waiting on the other side. So how can we live in such a way? Living in light of Kairos moments. First of all, we want to understand that opportunity many, many times, in fact, I'd almost say every time, is unrecognizable for what it really is. It doesn't really look like what God has waiting for it. In fact, opportunity doesn't have a sign saying, this is the one. This is the one. We would love that because we sometimes approach life like it's a lottery and we want the one thing that will turn everything and so we sometimes hold our breath hoping that this will change everything. That's why people uh, get into pay, uh, putting their time, effort, and money into lady luck. Have you ever heard that? They're hoping that one bet will change their whole life. 
buy a lottery ticket, buy a scratch and sniff or whatever they're called. I don't even know what they're called because you know why? My hope is not in luck. My hope is in the Savior, so I'm sorry if I, I called it a scratch and sniff. We must understand that opportunity is unrecognizable. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, I love this. If I can find Hebrews. I'm turning there in my Bible uh, instead of marking my place because it bothers me when preachers say, turn with me to Hebrews 13, and they've already got it set, and they just start reading, and you're just like, I couldn't even get there. Remember, this is not the right one. Here we go. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Wow, what a concept that something I'm actually seeing with my eyes is something else. We cannot always go by what something looks like to think this is what God is doing. Look back at our story. Jehoash is looking for some remarkable thing and he doesn't value what the prophet says to him. The prophet didn't say, beat those arrows five or six times. He left it up to the king and the king's faith in the moment to capture it. He didn't announce it to the king. Hey, this is it. I'm going to declare over this army as many times as you hit the ground, man, that's how many times you're going to beat them. It doesn't work like that. We have to operate in faith just like the king did. So opportunity sometimes is unrec unrecognizable. Don't make light opportunities that are right in front of you, looking for some flashing sign that says, dang, dang, this is the one. It's going to change your life forever. Don't miss this. Take a look at the writing of Paul. I love this. Don't make light of opportunities that you have in God. Look at Colossians. Are you with me? Last Wednesday night of the year, we're talking about time. Last, I got a couple of scriptures here, and then we're just going to take time to pray. Take a look at Colossians 4. Well, I have these sticky notes in my Bible, and sometimes they stick. Take a look at Colossians. Four. Look at verse five. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Do you know what the Greek word is right there for opportunity? Kairos. Every opportunity. See it as a setup from God. See it as a moment that's a secret package 
And if you'll redeem it, there's something there you didn't expect. God has some sort of treasure to give you if you'll grab a hold of it. Make the most out of every opportunity. Galatians 6.10. Take a look at Galatians 6.10. Flip over a few pages. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you know what Greek word is right there for opportunity if you read it in Greek? Kairos. This word is all through. This word and this phenomenon is all through this book that God has us set up for something that you don't look at with your eyes, but your heart and your faith say, there's something more to this, and I'm going to capture it and not miss it. Sometimes that shows up in a prayer meeting, and sometimes it shows up when you're at a restaurant and God tells you to do something. Just gives you a little bit of a nudge, and he's waiting to see if you'll respond to that. Maybe it's he's giving you some specific steps of faith to take that will unlock something that you're looking for God to do for you, but he gives you some steps of faith or some steps to take that just doesn't seem like it's connected. God works like that. He will specifically speak to you. I gotta tell you a phenomenal story. Um, and I'll get to it in just a second. The next point here in living in light of Kairos moments is we have to grow in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is personal, and his role is to help. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a better helper than me. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's trying to help you. He speaks to you, and we have to grow and grow and grow more sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking to us so that we can respond to him speaking to us and not miss opportunities and instructions that unlock. They're the keys to unlocking many things God has for us or next steps that he has for us or our destiny or whatever it might be. We have to grow in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Uh, many years ago, I've told this story a couple times, but it's just so fitting for what I'm sharing with you. And that is, there was a moment in when my wife and I lived in Maui for 15 years. We were on staff, Dr. Morocco's staff there, prior to coming here. We were the children's pastors there, and we were living in, we were eating faith sandwiches for dinner as Pastor Ann described. Anybody was here when Pastor Ann said, I'd like to try some faith sandwiches? It's not real filling sometimes. Anyway, we were eating faith sandwiches and living, living one day at a time in faith, and we had amassed a very large credit card debt in our name. We were young, in our 20s, you know, as uh, brilliant as 20-year-olds are. We were. Anyway, so we had, we had amassed, and I'm just going to be super transparent so you can see the miracle that God did for us. 
we were renting this little house and we needed to get out of credit card debt and my mother had sent us one of those Dave Ramsey boxes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He had just gotten started. This is how forever ago it was. Feels like it was way back in the 1900s. But it was close. Anyway, so we had taken these prelim preliminary steps to get out of debt. And we, had we were taking a loan out on my retirement so we could get a kickstart paying off $25,000 worth of debt. And the most I could take out of a loan was $5,000. Well, it was going to be a good start for us. We had all these plans. And the moment that the money went into our bank account was Vision Sunday weekend in Maui. And I was so thrilled. I had this plan. We got a two-year plan. We're going to get out of this debt thing. And then we're going to try to buy a house. And all this is going to happen for us. Woo! Until Dr. Morocco says, I want, you to, I want you to pray about what you're going to give today on Vision Sunday. And I was sitting on the front row. And my wife was had one of our kids who was having a challenging time. She was in the nursery taking care of one of our little ones. I don't remember which one it was. And the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to write a check for everything in your bank account. And I'm like, what? That can't possibly be God. Because the whole plan. We've prayed. This is the plan. M tomorrow, Monday, I'm paying. Uh, uh, we're going to start the big Dave Ramsey plan. Tomorrow, this is it. It starts tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And the Lord prompts me. And, <clears throat> and I say to him, I don't have the checkbook. <laughs> and the Lord says, it's in your back pocket. And I'm standing there, and I reach in my back pocket, and there it is. I never have the checkbook. But some, for some reason, I had it. So I'm like caught. So I pull it out, and I'm looking at it, and I'm terrified. And I don't know what to do. It's right now, and there's this... My heart is beating, and the, I know the Lord's speaking to me. I wouldn't make that up. And so I'm trying to think of other reasons not to give that, and the Lord clearly speaks to me and says, I want you to write a check for everything in your bank account, which was only the $5,000 that had just gone in there. So I pull out a pen, and my hand is shaking, and tears are falling out of my eyes, and my paper's getting wet because I'm weeping over this, this check. That is a huge amount of money to me. It may not be to you. It's huge to me, especially when I had two kids and was wondering how I'm going to get out of all this debt. And the Lord's asking me to give this money, which was my startup money, to, to start up the whole thing. And I'm standing there and my hands are shaking. And my daughter, Emma, was with me. She must have been in the nursery with Easton. 
My daughter's Emma with me, and I rip the check, put it in an envelope, and Dr. Morocco says, I want you to bring your gift that the Lord has prompted to you. Just bring it right up here to the... Like the buckets were up there or something. And I am so terrified. I'm so scared to give this money that I can't move. My feet are frozen. And it's in the envelope, and my hand is shaking like this. And it's like my whole life is in this envelope. Like I'm going to, as soon as I give this, I'm going to collapse and turn into nothing. And whatever happens to my family is all going to be my fault because I'm the one. And so I, 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 I got to obey God. And so I say, here, Emma, would you? And she grabs it and runs. And I could just see my life deflating. She drops it in the bucket and I start weeping. I didn't even ask my wife. The, the ride home that, that night in the car was very interesting. I was terrified to say anything. I didn't even know what to say. I, was, I didn't say a word all the way home. I got home, and I started weeping. Tears are coming down my eyes, and I said, I, I want you to know what I did. <laughs> so I told her, God bless my wife. She says, I'm so proud of you. And she starts crying too. She goes, if God spoke to you, I'm all in. And, and I cannot tell you from that moment how many days had passed. I would find myself laying in the bottom of the shower floor, crying out to God, could you please give me that money back? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. I need some food for my kids, and I gave you everything I've got, and I'm still in credit card debt. Where is the miracle? I'm looking for money bags dropping out of the sky. Do I really only have one minute left? You hit fast forward. Those numbers are moving fast forward. Who's back there? Kipper! Are you serious? Guess what? Some of you wonder why I don't wear contacts. Hey, look, it's 3 o'clock. Hey, is it okay if I finish the story? I'm going to finish the story. God's speaking to you. There's opportunities He spoke to you about, and I'm here to encourage you to, to swing the bat with all you got. Whether it's serving, you show up and every time you serve, whether it's opening a door or making coffee, God bless you, or playing on the worship team, you see it as a kairos moment because you don't know what's hiding on the other side of your sacrifice. And so, anyway, three months went by of living in sheer panic and pleading with God, and a realtor calls us up in Maui, called me up. Hey, there's a new addition, and we'd sure like your family to get one of these. It's uh, affordable housing. I know you guys could probably do this. And I'm like, I have nothing. I can't take a loan. 
I mean, all this debt, whatever. So I say to him, uh, it sounds great, but there's no way we can do that. Maybe sometime in the future, keep us in mind. I just, I declined it because I have nothing to get a house with. And my chief priority is make sure my two little, little ones can eat and things. And I, so he calls me back a few weeks later. I see his phone number on my phone and I'm like, he's calling about that. There's no way. And I'm embarrassed to say I can't do it. And nothing has changed in my scenario. So I answer the phone, and he says, oh, you know about that house? Uh, repeats what he had said before. I said, you know, uh, our financial picture is not going to allow us to, to buy a house. He goes, well, I, I have some news for you. The developer has offered to pay off all your credit card debt. What? Stand by, I'll be right back. What? Who would do that? Why would somebody do that? I was dumbfounded. It was five times the amount that I gave in that offering. I said, what did you say? I tell my wife. She's weeping. She's like, what? And it gets even better. So they pay off our credit card debt when we don't know nothing about buying a house. So the realtor guy uh, just says, all you have to do is show up on this one day and sign all these papers. Okay, so we show up on this day, and the other person at the table, I don't know what their names and their jobs are. There's somebody else there that's got all the papers. And it's a giant fat stack of papers. Got hand cramps signing. Anyway, he says, oh, and by the way, you owe $5,000 today for your closing things. And my wife and I are like, we, we have zero I have zero. Like, what? Nobody told us. And the other guy says, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm paying that too. And he writes a check for five grand and hands it over. I walked into a brand new house with no credit card debt and didn't have to pay a dime to get in there. Hold on, it gets better. It gets even better. The rules for this particular housing thing that we took advantage of uh, says we have to own the house for 10 years. You can't sell it for 10 years. Well, in the course of time, the Lord clearly speaks to me, which I'm growing in, identifying that, to move. I'm moving from Maui. So we make these arrangements, and it was in 2018 that we could sell our house. So we had rented it for a few years to a, a family as minimal as we could to bless them. And the time came to sell our house. And that one gift that we gave, that I gave in sheer terror with tears, it was a Kairos moment for me and my family because we sold the house for twice what we bought it for which ended up being a hundred and a hundred and five times the gift that I gave in that one offering. We sold it for five hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars. That one gift I gave in that Kairos moment, the Lord took it and turned it into something I could never do. What does the Lord have before you? 
It could be something you don't even recognize. It could be as simple as going to talk to your neighbor that the Lord's been talking to you about. Simple obedience unlocks God's blessing in your life. I'm here today to just declare to you there are Kairos moments that God has set up for you to grab a hold of them and believe God and act in faith. Don't be the king who looked at what the prophet said to him and just kind of, okay, what's next? Give me the real thing. And then the prophet goes, you just missed it. It was the real thing. Make the most of every opportunity. Be hospitable. In, in, in doing so, some have entertained angels. Kairos moments in your life. They could be today. Something could happen today. It could be tomorrow. So how do I know which one? You see all opportunities as Kairos moments. You put your all into serving. You, 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 you grow in listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you and give you instructions. Let's stand together tonight. I just wanted to share with, some, share with you tonight as we're looking at the end of the year. And in my house, at the end of the year, we have a moment. Thank you, Mr. Toby. At my house, when it comes time, the end of the year, we go around and around the table at dinner declaring what God has done and what are you thankful for? What was your high of the year? What was your low of the year? And there have been moments that we didn't even recognize that happened in March and June that produced fruit today and we didn't even know it was going to be like that. I'm trying to encourage you today. Obey God, whatever it is He's prompting to you. I shared a story about our giving, but it may be something else. It could be anything. God's got surprises waiting for you. God's got breakthrough waiting for you. There's breakthrough coming because you're going to obey God. You're going to operate in faith. And it just could be that God puts an arrow in your hand and says, strike the ground. I want you to lift your hands just for a moment. Close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you today. In, in response to this simple word of taking advantage, redeeming the time, Father, I declare over this congregation and all those that are watching online that there are Kairos moments that are waiting for them. Father, I also recognize that the moment came and passed for Joash, Jehoash, because Elisha gave the word and died. God, we don't want to miss what you have for us. I pray you'd help us be sensitive. Help us to see every opportunity as the one. Every opportunity to serve, to pray, to give, to evangelize. Moments to love people that are hard to love. Moments to forgive people that are hard to forgive. Seeing as a moment you have designed and orchestrated that you're waiting to see how we will respond to it. In Jesus' name, I thank you, God. Hallelujah. Wow, what a great word. What a great word for just wrapping up this year. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Lord, we thank you, God.
Many years ago, Dr. Morocco preached from this text called the Kairos moment. And from that moment on, I just get arrested by the Holy Ghost when I'm about to miss something. And I want to give it my all. You might be here tonight and you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is a Kairos moment for you to have your heart clean and stand before God forgiven, to have your sins forgiven, to make Jesus your Lord and see your whole life move in a direction you didn't expect. God's blessing poured out in your life, peace that you can't, re you can't buy or replace with anything else, joy that comes from the Lord, a life change because you surrendered to Jesus and made him your Lord and Savior. It's not a, a, a moment that's on a clock or a calendar. It's a moment that's right now that you can get right with God. Here in this room, online, I'm going to invite you to pray with me to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to redeem the moment that you have for you. In our story we read tonight, after he struck the arrows, the prophet died and he couldn't go back and redo. There were no redos. Oh, give me the arrows again. I got it now. Now I see. Tap, 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 tap. I wonder if he went through the rest of the day tapping as many times as he could. It didn't matter. The moment came and went. Don't let this moment pass you by. You don't have tomorrow as a guarantee. Not one person has a guarantee of tomorrow. That's why we have to live every day expecting Jesus is coming back. I'm going to make sure I'm ready. I'm not going to miss the moment. We live with expectancy. It shapes our life and our decisions, our priorities and values. And I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you, I don't want you to miss this moment. Don't walk out that door or turn, turn our online stream off and miss your moment to pray with me. I'm going to help you pray. It's a simple prayer to believe in your heart that Jesus took your place on the cross, that he died, he rose from the dead, and you say with your mouth that he's, he's your Lord, and you surrender your life to him. Let's pray today. Let's make today the Kairos moment of receiving Jesus. Would you bow your head with me? For, and we just do that so that we can have a private moment, just us and God. Bow your head and close your eyes for a moment and say right out loud, say, Heavenly Father, I receive today what Jesus did for me. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead to give me eternal life. I turn away from sin and I turn to Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender to you from this moment on. And I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Wow, something just happened in this room and on your device. There was things lifted off of people. Wow, I don't know if you caught that, but I sure did. Wow, that was awesome. To find out what you do next, you made Jesus your Lord, now what do I do? Stop at our next steps desk. We can help you. 
That's why we have this building and we get together so we can grow in the things of God. Hey, I want to pray for you. I hope you have a great week, great weekend, new year time. It's going to be a blessed year. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't you lift your hands and let me bless you as our time is going to be up today. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.